JD Azure Minerals AZS. The headline 5.6% grade at an 82% recovery. Not too bad. That sounds all right. The age old trick, you know, read and bottom up. When read you want to find out what matters, it holds true, Maddie. And it indicated that the mineralization won't be amenable to HLS or DMS. Amenable to DMS, lower costs, essentially. When it's not amenable, higher costs. Now, word on the decline with this. One source says SQM might have been on site before that looking at Azure as a nickel investment and uh, said, why don't you drill those things over there? I mean, we did have Alex Rivera on the show claiming that he told the old man to go drill for him. The jury's out on that one. Not sure. I don't know, I don't know if I believe much of part two. Right, money miners, 10th of October. It is Tuesday. Today, we've got uh, we've got two days worth of Azure to talk about. Um, getting right into Azure, A-Z-S. We sure do, double header. Pending lithium operation, possibly. Possibly. Uh, Bellevue. Bellevue's getting a run. They've had, had a stooping in mill commissioning uh, progress update. That's it, inching closer to full production there, as well as Atlantic Lithium. And we're going to touch on Appian, the uh, the investor, the private equity group as well. Mm, very to- very good, mate. Let's uh, we're, we're streamlining the start. We want to get into it. Right, sponsors for today, Terra Capital. Now, JD, me and you, you are no longer the third wheel. You're required to be the second wheel of this advertisement. Tell us what you think about Terra Capital, Langers and Bondi. Mate, well, they are one of the the few natural resource specialists. You know, they're a fund manager. They've got roughly 180 million bucks focused on opportunities around the world. So as of our, our last chat with them, they had quite a focus on the TSX listed companies, you know, a bit over 50% of the portfolio, but they do a great job. And as we'll touch on later with Appian, mate, this natural resource sector is attracting more and more interest from investors globally. So, you know, they've been in and around it since 2010, I believe. So check them out, Terra Capital. Very good. What about the individuals that run it? Oh, Langers we love them. Bondi. <laughs> Langers, Bondi, DK we've had on the show as well. All experts, all great at what they do. Great guys as well. You would say you love them, don't you, mate? Mate, we're, uh, we'll be, we're in Sydney, end of the month, boys. Keep yep. a slot for us. Can't wait. That's Cheers, it. Terra. Cheers, guys. Right. JD, Azure Minerals, AZS. Now, for the punters that don't know them, which is probably minimal, they're uh, getting a lot of publicity these days. They've got the Andover Lithium Project, uh, which was originally a nickel play, JD, but we'll get into a bit of fun facts and history with Matty after we actually give the relevant news. But look, They've obviously changed their focus to lithium. Well, good job too. Right time to be doing it. So this deposit is near Caratha up up in uh, up in the Pilbara. Up in the Pilbara, up in the top of WA. Not the top. Thirty-three kilometres to the nearest port. So not a bad spot to have a big lithium deposit. Prime location, JD. So met te- met test work was out yesterday. Metallurgical test work, we mean, and drill results out today. We're going to we're going to get into it. What's yeah, going so they, on, JD? They got beaten up a bit, like you said, on the on the Met test work there, Maddie. So they came off that you know we're trading around two bucks forty coming into yesterday, and then they dropped off a bit. The market didn't like that Met. The initial it was the very first Met work that they've done that we've seen from them, and then like you said, drill results out today. They they sort of classify in areas, target area one, two, and three. So some of the first results coming out of target area three, as well as assays from 
areas one and two. So like you said, Maddie, the Andover project, they don't actually own the whole thing. They only own 60% of it. Creasy, Mark Creasy, the famous uh, prospector who's discovered many, many large assets in WA is the 40% owner as well as being free carried up until production. So he's got, uh, he's made quite a good investment, one he sat on for quite a while. So he doesn't, doesn't pay for drilling and he's free carried until the final investment decision. So not a, not a bad deal for him. Yeah, that's right. For and him. he's 40%'s a good chunk too. Oh, it's huge. Which he, is a bit more than he's had in previous ones. I know they were talking about when we talked to Tony, he was like, I think they were pushing for 30. He's like, no, nah, I want 40. Yeah, his standard deal was always 70 30. That was the split. Yeah. And he also owns 13.4% of Azure, the company. You've also got SQM owning just under 20%. And of course, we spoke about them a couple of months ago, trying to buy out the company at a touch over $2.30. Two, yeah, $2.31. So they're yep. sitting at 2 bucks twenty now. They were up near nearly $3. Yeah, and they, uh, they raised a bit of capital up there as well. Mm. Obviously, they knocked back the deal. They knocked it back pretty quickly. So Creasy, well. Creasy technically owns 47% of the project, if you can find forty percent of the project and then seven percent of Azua. That's themselves. it. So let's let's get into the network as as is the case with lithium, like pretty much all mineral projects out there, Met is vital and it's good to see the first sort of work coming through. So the headline, five point six percent grade at an eighty two percent recovery, not too bad. That sounds all right. But mm. the age old trick, you know, read them bottom up. When read you want to find bottom. out what matters, it holds true, Maddie. And also be suspicious when a company says outstanding met results, you know, it's- At least one, I didn't use robust. Robust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, outstanding is a bit more, you know, exaggerated in my opinion, but never mind. you know, the money miners can look past that. So getting into the actual info that we want to find out, they said the heavy liquid separation, also known as HLS, produced suboptimal concentrate grades and recoveries. So yeah, you find that out in pages four and five, you know. And it indicated that the mineralization won't be amenable to HLS or DMS that we more commonly refer to. So D, D, when we talk about DMS only, that's what your, your Mount Catlin, your core finish operation there, although DMS that, only. What, although it's not been going so great for them at core. But and, essentially- and that is because the you need the coarser grained spodumene to yeah. be amenable for D, DMS. Exactly. So these guys don't have it. Amenable to DMS- lower costs, essentially, when it's not amenable, like it is here, we're sort of interpreting it and the market's interpreting it as higher costs, essentially. I'm just interested to see how you interpret this, JD, where it says indicating mineralization may not be amenable to DMS processing. Does that mean it is not amenable to DMS only processing or that you won't actually be able to recover much of the lithium through DMS and it'll all have to come out of flotation. How do you interpret that? Yeah, I would have thought, Maddie, uh, you could still potentially utilise it, but clearly just not on its own. So you need to put in more more um, equipment in the in the mill, essentially, more more. I think, I think the way I understand now, money miners, correct me if I'm wrong, but the DMS is, it's sort of like gravity, your gravity circuit and your leaching circuit for a gold processing. Your DMS gets the the easy stuff out first, yeah. which is your coarser grain, and then your flotation gets the finer grain spodumene out. But so I would assume you'd still have a DMS circuit and it'll go into flotation after that. But look, happy to happy to be uh, uh, educated by anyone that does know the answer to that. I don't I don't know I don't think you don't know if you can go straight into flotation or not. I can't say why you couldn't, but I'll be uh, interested to see if anyone knows the answer to that. 
Yeah, so getting into those grades, Maddie, we touched on five point six percent concentrate grade as well yep. as an eighty two percent recovery, and it's a, it's a trade off, and we'll flash up the chart that they show. It's a trade off between increasing the recoveries and the output being a lower grade concentrate, yeah, and the vice versa. So, so you, you can't like, get high recoveries and high grade. So you can you can get because um, I think what the I think spodumene seven something like seven point eight percent lithium. Like you can theoretically get a hundred percent lithium cover, recovery, but as as you see by the chart, you can to recover hundred percent of the lithium, your concentrate grade would be just above one percent. So the where they've seen the optimal point here is producing a five point six percent concentrate and an eighty two percent recovery. But re- remember, this is only. Three drill holes. Yeah. Three, so three samples. There was so, another detail that really stood out, Matty. I think that, sorry, that, oh, correct me there, that was only off one sample, one drill hole for the flotation testing. The, so the other two are still um, in still, the works. Still yeah. pending, yeah. So there was something else that stood out, Maddie. It was the the content of iron in the concentrate. So it came in at 2.06%, I think, and it yep. that, that's not great, essentially. That's pretty bad for batteries. Yeah, Although, iron's one of the probably one of the big del- deleterious an- elements for lithium concentrate that has to be kept below. Pretty sure it's below one percent. Yeah, and they they didn't do any magnetic separation or anything like that. They weren't yep. working too hard to separate it here. So giving credit for that, that'll come in later on, and I'm sure that'll be the focus of a lot of test work to come. And you focused in on what watching her do and a couple of the other plays there. Yeah, no, and I will note that some other companies that have done initial MET test work do magnetic separation in the MET test work yeah. um, and they will show like an example, uh, Pilgangora's initial test MET test work produced a 5.7% concentrate with 0.37% iron and then they reduce that to 011 after magnetic separation. So some do it in the testing, um, Azure will haven't. Um, but it, and we'll go through them as part of their next steps. So the methods of getting rid of iron, or add a bit of a look into, like because it is the thing, one of the main things you cannot have in lithium concentrate. So Wagener, they have a like a pre-flotation before the, it sounds like pre-flotation before the actual flotation, that removes, floats out the iron sulfides and then they have a wet magnetic separation. So you have wet magnetic, you can have dry magnetic. You, I think there's high intensity wet magnetic, low intensity wet magnetic. So that's what Wajanid do. I think Pilgangora as well, they've they've got the magnetic separation as well. So, and as I said, it says in Azure state um, that magnetic separation, sulfide pre-flotation and up current classified test work. I think that that's would be or sorting or mica removal, I'm not sure. Um, that's planned for the next stage of test work and is expected to significantly reduce the iron present in the spodumene concentrate. So as, as we said, remember this is off three drill holes that they did the dense media separation testing, one drill hole for the flotation testing. So yeah, and to your point on what else they're going to be working on, Maddie, they say at the end of the announcement, grind size, magnetic separation... Like you said, pre-float removal of iron sulfides. They're going to test the variability in response to flotation. That'd be yep. pretty key given the results from the DMS, as well as potential ore sorting. So they also came out with drill results, Maddie, and that was today. So from the first holes from target area one, there was visible spodumene um, hits. So 14 to 35 meters, that's the true width. So that's that's pretty good. We'll see 
what the uh, assays come out when they come out properly. They also had proper assays from areas one and two. So area one had hits of 57 metres at 1.2%, 63 metres at 1.6%. Again, I'm using true widths here. Area two, 20 metres at 1.5% and 20 metres at 1.7%. So consistent with what we've seen, not bad results. And the, the stock ticked up a bit on these ones today. So across all the areas that they've got, we've got seven rigs churning away. And they've got a, uh, to give a scale and see why flotation isn't, isn't like a, a, it's not a deal breaker because it sounds like it's uh, potentially going to be a very big deposit this one. They, they've put a, they've put a, what do you call it? Exploration target, JD. Exploration target, Explorate. our favourite. What is it? 100 to the ex- to target. 240. So without saying what the, what the resource is likely going to be, the, the company's put out exploration targets these days. So 100 to 240 million tonnes, grading at 1 to 1.5% lithium. So somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so, Maddie, you are flotation wouldn't uh, wouldn't matter, but it is a higher capital cost. So, exactly, and but, you went into the the history of this former nickel play. Like many of the uh, explorers out in WA, they you know go for the the flavour of the month or whatever they seem to find on their tenements, which is fair mm. enough. Did you remember when they were? Were you in the finance world when they were a nickel storage JD? I sure was, mate. They uh, they went on a bit of a tear from from memory. I think from about twenty five odd cents up to a buck over a, a short little while, and that mm. was. October, yeah, October 2020, that's when they first intersected the massive sulfides when yeah, okay. nickel nickel was the big flavour, juicy flavour around the world. I mean, late 2020, everything was the flavour, everything was <laughs> flying, so. Well, I'll show, we'll show the charts and uh, these announcements. So, like, from that 2020 point, as you said, 25 cents to a buck, Their first, but their first intersection come back at uh, 22.4 metres at 1% nickel and 0.55% copper. So I can understand um, why the market got excited about that. Yeah. So then it, um, uh, but it had most of the tear from the, when they intersected the sulfides, it seemed, um, when the actual assays come out and then the follow-up ones, it sort of gradually declined. So I look at yep. retracted from a dollar to about 20 cents by, July 21, which is about six months later. So it didn't, it just didn't end up being as big as everyone hoped for that thought it was, uh, they had this big conductor and it just uh, didn't come back with the biscuits. So look, they then, they, I think they kept exploring for, for nickel and then they, they re-assayed a nickel hole that was drilled in November 2021 and in October 2022 when they re-assayed it, they discovered lithium bearing pegmatites because everyone's like right is there any bloody pegmatites on our lease at the moment and these guys did have some so they looked through all the old drill holes and then found all the outcropping ones so and then three months later or about two months later sqm then announced in january 23 they are investing 20 million dollars for 19.99% share of Azure and agreed for an offtake of 25% of all the lithium mined in the future at Andover. So they've, they re-assayed, they identified the pegmatites, then SQM got on board before the, I guess, the first holes. Um, now, word on the decline with this is that there's conflicting stories. So apparently... The word one source says SQM might have been on site before that, looking at Azure as a nickel investment, and uh, said, "Why don't you drill those things over there?" 
That's one. That's one story. Can't confirm or deny. We did have Alex Rivera on the show claiming that he told the old man to go drill for him. So the jury's out on that one. Not sure. I don't know. I don't know if I believe much of part two. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know about that either, mate. But what I do know is we spoke with investors in as late as April and May of this year, and they were talking up this as a nickel play. So that that's kind of interesting because that's after the the big hits had come through. Yeah. Well. In, uh, well, the first. Well, the first big hit that they had was June 23. So what's that? Three months after the SQM investment was finalised. Yeah. That's when they got the 105 metres at 1.26% lithium and just been on a massive run since then. They still don't have a maiden uh, mineral resource estimate. But, but they have a said, target, mate. They've they got have a, target, a target. So you pretty much uh, pretty much <laughs> lock it in. But as you can see by the uh, cross sections, she's a big big humdinger of a deposit, nice and close to a port. Uh, yeah. So pretty uh, pretty handy. It'd be yeah. interesting to see how further, as I said, further met test work of over larger samples uh, to see how it's going to come out. Yeah, and like with, we uh, said, there's a, there's a very big price tag on this now, roughly 900 million mm. market cap for the company alone, and that doesn't even bring into the fact that what we spoke about with Creasy. So the project itself yeah. As, a, as a very big number on it. And I, I think each uh, magnetic separation, I was actually looking at the MET test work from Core Lithium, uh, their early stuff, and the different one form of, I think it was the dry, no, the wet magnetic separation, high intensity, actually resulted in lo- loss of lithium. Like it did get rid of the iron, but you actually see a recovery loss as well. So I think depending on the mineralogy and the ore body, different types of iron separation might, cause drops in recovery. So yeah, that's what all the test works for. It's not a simple, um, that'll work yeah. sort of thing. So mate, you had a look into Bellevue as well. Yes. Yes. We've got to okay, We've got to, we haven't, we haven't spoken about them for a while. They've got a mill construction update along with some, uh, stope extraction performance, a bit of underground porn for me to look yeah, at. This, so, is, this is very much in your wheelhouse, mate. What's yeah, going on? Yeah. Well, they had, look, they had good high grade infill drill results a bit back, but everyone know everyone knows it's there. So I didn't see it as newsworthy. So, um, we're all keenly awaiting for the mill startup and see how the operation performs. It's a, um, yes, one of the few sort of underground projects in construction, which we're all from that actually haven't used an existing mill or anything. So it's uh, that's pretty exciting to exciting to see how it's going to go. So we've look, we've spoken at death at death about look the common known issue at Bellevue is very very hard ground. And we've talked about that being an issue in the, I guess, the development phase and the production drilling phase. So, look, compared to other operations, you'll see, usually see lower jumbo advance rates, lower production drilling rates, uh, which means you require more machines to get the same advance and get the same drill rates, which might mean you've got a higher OPEX. They, it sounds like, well, they've got all the bloody developers recruited all the all the guns and they're paying them shitloads. So uh, you'd, you're better to have a a good operator in hard ground, he'll probably get more meters than a shit operator in soft ground. So, um, but you got to pay for it. So, that's the benefits of hard ground, though. That's they they come in come to the forefront when you start taking stopes out usually. So, because there is less intense ground support usually, so that can offset a bit of the higher opex when you're actually doing the development. But the big advantage is controlling your dilution in stopes. Is is the stoping support? Performance. That's where you start making the money back because, look, unplanned dilution is a killer of mining operations. It redu- reducing the head grade that goes through the mill 
is what just chews into profits. If you can, that is the one key thing to control in production. So I'll bring it up here. Bellevue have put out a CMS shape of, which is a cavity monitoring system, JD, the thing that they scan voids for underground. Put it out for one of their Armand uh, fired stopes so you can see the mined squiggly line there. That's inside the, I'm pretty sure that blue line's the planned dilution, So, which means that dilution is perform better than expected so and it seems the holes are pretty straight so that's a that's a that's a good thing I was suspicious when I first looked at it looking at the the rock fragmentation looking at how fine it was it was like dust thinking of, they haven't just put up a CMS of their first slot firing because uh, you'll always see very fine dirt because there's shitloads of holes in there to get the uh, slot out but I've confirmed that it was the second firing and they have to the fragmentation will usually look pretty similar because because the ground is that hard, they have to put a denser hole pattern in there to guarantee they'll break the break the rock out to design. Because if the ground's that hard, it just doesn't doesn't fall out. So more holes, more money. But to pay for drill holes is a lot better than leaving fucking gold in the ground. So that's where you getting the gold out is the priority. So I, I think ne- next time I want to see an actual stoke performance of a stoke that's been opened up to the full full strike length so 20 to like between 20 or 40 meters however it comes because once you open it up to a full strike length you expose that whole length of the hanging wall the bit that's leaning over the longer you expose it more distance that's when you test how much dilution comes in because you actually get bits falling in because of the span so um but we'll see If, if they've got Hard ground like they've got, I would anticipate that their dilution will be very well controlled, which is good for maximising the grade. So, um, look, first production is on track for this quarter. Um, they, they're in the final stages of commission and all, all eyes are on ramp up. But I guess the the other thing on their side, because it's an underground operation, they'll, they'll be able to start processing the fresh rock straight away, which they talk about in the announcement because they sent their open pit oxide material to Gualia yep. to get toll treated. Help which them is fill up the mill down there. Good, good. Yeah, it was probably helping Gualia more than them. Um, but that's, you know, good for early early revenue but also good because, you know, proce- processing plants are designed for what the majority of the feed's going to be. It's usually your fresh rock because the oxide and transitions the top and then, you know, bulk of your body is, is in fresh rock. So... And the, di- the difference between process and oxide, oxide transitional and fresh is the crushability. So your oxide and your transition, great for throughput because it flies through the crusher. But if the plant's designed for fresh rock, because we're, see- we're seeing with like your calidus, your red five, not saying this was the case, but when you're, your plant's designed for fresh rock, but they, they have to start on oxide material because that's how an open pit you starts. You've got to get the start. And so you have issues of, well, the oxide's usually lower grade. Because it flies through the crusher that quick because it's easier to crush, you you overload the conveyor, You can your thickener can overflow and like all oh, your bloody mill turns into a big ball of fuck. So what's on, what's on Bellevue's side is that they'll be actually starting with fresh underground rock that the mill's designed for, um, which is, you know, you would hope that uh, gives them a bit of a bit more of a smooth ramp up to compared to other operations that have to go from oxide transitional and don't have that. It's not not what the mill's designed for. So look, $1.6 billion market cap, JD, all eyes are on them that 
they bloody execute. Absolutely, mate. Especially the money of mine eyes. It's a critical time for, for Bellevue, this, this remainder of 2023. It is. Right, JD, Appian. Enlighten me. Mate, we don't normally talk about private equity groups raising a fund, but there were a couple comments around this that uh, stood out to me. So Appian's a a London-based private equity group. We've spoken about them a bit in the past. They were the ones that were selling the Brazilian nickel and copper assets to the SPAC ACG. We spoke about it just last week when the deal fell through, so they're still looking to sell them. They've got other investments in mines, Roche Pinar in Namibia, Pine Point in Canada, Peak Rare Earths in Tanzania, and there's a few others that that the money miners might be familiar of. So this is their third fund. The other first one was sort of circa 300-odd million. The second one, 700-odd million US dollars, that is. And this one's a $2 billion fund. So, so as metals and mining PE funds go, that's that's pretty chunky, Maddie. And there was a comment, like I said, that stood out, and it was by the founder of Appian. What he said was, this is the first fundraising we have done where mining is seen as a part of the solution as opposed to the problem itself. So that's really encouraging. That's really cool to hear, in my opinion. So is he saying in terms of the mining, um, the way mining is perceived. perceived in the world at the moment? Yeah, and the acknowledgement that it, it is critical to the energy transition that is underway. So yeah. hopefully we see that also in terms of government, that they acknowledge it and that it's reflected in approvals processes, in incentives, and how all these things are handled going forward. So, you know, it doesn't take so long to get all these mines that we need to come online, to get them online. And there's incentives in and around the financing and funding of these things to make it happen a bit sooner than it currently is. Yeah, right. Yeah, very interesting. That's a lot of dosh. We're, we're in the small part of the world. When we talk about funds in Australia or in Perth that are running, you know, 100, 150 million bucks, Pissing the ocean compared to two billion. Fuck yeah, it is private equity. It's a bit of a, a different style, and they also talk about co-investing, getting other investors alongside them to have you know even bigger investments in companies. Oh, JD Atlantic Lithium. I don't think we've uh, don't think we've spoken about them before. No, six they months. Ran, they, of rang money a, of mine. they rang a bill. All these lithium fucking companies sound the same. <laughs> so the- we'll give a bit of a, a run through of what they're all about, given that we haven't spoken about them. So they are ASX listed, obviously, A11, but they're also listed on AIM in London as well as OTC in America. What's what's AIM? So it's not the um- – It's the sort of secondary fund for more speculative investments uh, as opposed to the uh, – it is the LSE, but it's their more speculative exchange. Ah, uh, right. And OTC for America? Over-the-counter – also for more speculative investments. Is that your penny stocks that they talk about in uh, Sure Wall is, Street? mate. OTC. Sure is. There you go. Good commission on them. <laughs> so I think you've watched Wolf of Wall Street one too many times. <laughs> so this one's Africa-focused, Maddie. The asset they've got is Ewaya in, uh, in Ghana. So it's a 50-50 JV with Piedmont. That might be one of the reasons you may have heard of them in the past. Piedmont Lithium are also 9.3% investors in Atlantic, and then the government, of course, has its 10% free carried interest. So overall, Atlantic ultimately holds a 45% interest in the project. Capped at 280 million Aussie at a 46% uh, cent share price. They've been ticking up and down a bit lately, up 15% on the news today. The DFS for the, the project came out in June, and it highlighted that they'd be producing a total of 300,000 tonnes per annum, 150 of which is 6% and 150,000 tonnes is 5.5% spodumene concentrate. And similar to what we spoke about with Azure before, the recoveries for the higher grade concentrate, the 6%, was 62%. 
Yep. Whereas for the lower, it was a higher recovery, 67%. So the all-in sustaining cost was US $610 per tonne. And then you've got a resource of 35 million tonnes at 1.25% lithium oxide. And mm. a capex of 185 million US dollars. So it's pretty similar to Latin, that sort of. That's sort yeah. of scale around yeah. there, scale and cost. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I'll get in onto the sort of valuation a bit later on. You've also got the Ghanaian government investing US $28 million into the subsidiaries directly, as well as a 5% a $5 million investment into the, the HEDCO. And that's a pretty good sign given that Atlantic still need to get final approvals to construct the project. So are they got a are they funded or they got a bit of a funding gap or what's the guy there? They've got a bit of a funding gap, but they're they're actually not in such a bad spot because Piedmont is going to pay the first 70 US million bucks of that 185 and then 50% of the remainder of the capex. So that that is part of the staged investment that take Piedmont up to their 50% final interest. And you know, the, the remaining share for Atlantic is US 57 and a half million bucks. Given the, the cash that they've got, the previous investments that they've had, I'd expect they can get the remainder of the cash in the door on relatively favourable terms. They're targeting 2025 for first production. Although on, on the flip side, you've got what's happened in Leo. We've spoken about quite a few times, given the suspensions, trading halts and those sorts of things. That's a bit of an overhang on the stock and it seems that investors are pretty risk off on West Africa in general. We're seeing this in WAF, in Perseus and the likes. None of them are getting any sort of love. So so where's the where's this project up to in the uh, the course of heading towards production, Jado? Obviously or construction. D- DFS has come out. They just need final approvals and then to wrap up the funding and then they'll build the thing and hopefully by 25 they are producing. Mm. So to speak to today's announcement, which was quite a good one, they had some transmission lines that were going through the planned mine area. The government has agreed that they will be moved. So it'll be a sort of government entity that does the work on behalf of Atlantic and moves them. So least they can do for their free carried interest, you'd think, JD? I would expect Atlantic still have to pay for that, Maddie. But, um, <laughs> no, but just, just to let them do it. Let them do it. Yeah. Yes. It, it needs to be done and it'll allow the company to start early works on the project itself. So the big catalyst, like I just said to come, is the mining grant. Once the, you know, the ministerial grant for the mining lease is done by the government and I did notice that they had meetings with the the ministry just last week and the, the company put up photos and all of that. So it looks like things are heading in the right direction, but you never know until it's it's signed and even after it's signed, you don't really know. So hopefully it comes together and then, like I just said, funding, construction, and they'll be off to the races. On valuation, I said I'd mention it, Maddie. There was a tweet from a guy called Hoops. So I think his uh, tag is at underscore Hoops. Sounds, underscore. sounds Aussie. Is Hoops Aussie? I'm a, very certain he is an Aussie guy who likes to look at the lithium plays. Every there. Hoops I know is Aussie. There you go, mate. I'm yeah. learning every day from there you. There you go. <laughs> so he showed a chart on Twitter and we'll flash it up for the money miners as well. It's a bubble chart for those listening in. On the X axis, you've got EV to resources on a lithium carbonate equivalent basis. And then on the Y axis, you've got the grade of the resource. So I've highlighted Atlantic and you can see Tonnage-wise, Atlantic is a bit smaller than many of the other companies we talk about, especially when you take into account of the 34.5 million tonnes, they've got 45% of that essentially. And on an EV to resource basis, it's valued in a sort of similar league to, like you said, 
Latin before, as well as the likes of Core and all chems actually in and around there. So on that basis, it looks you know relatively fully valued, but you do need to take into account that it's a it's a bit of a crude metric. It doesn't take into account operating costs, forecasted cash flows, jurisdictions. Many things aren't taken into account. It's just a bit of a thumb suck to see what the uh, what the resource and the company is currently valued at. So, so, so at the end of the end of the graph, what do we got? We've got min. Min resource, mineral resources in Lion Town. Yeah. And, and yeah, at the higher end, you've got min. Big, and Pilgangora and yeah. Pilbara Minerals. So that's saying that they are based on what they've got, EV per total resource there, being either fully valued by the market or overvalued by the market. Yeah, they're being valued pretty highly for what they've got in the ground there, essentially yep. is on the on the far right. And then, yeah, the Y-axis, like I said, is just uh, gives you an indication of the grade of the resource. Yeah, so what you got, what's uh, down the other end? So Vulcan is right down in the bottom left corner. So that means they're being very undervalued for what they've got, probably for yeah, other reasons. I put undervalued in quotation marks there. And you've got uh, Jindalee, J-R-L as well. They've got an asset in... America. Yeah, very good. Good chart. Cheers, Hoops. There you go. Hoops, hoops sounds like a, a GC. Yeah, shout out we- to Hoops. And I think Trav might have uh, flashed up a chart of his a while back. Wait, Hoops. Tell there us we more. go, mate. Give us a buzz, Hoops. You sound like my type of guy. Come <laughs> in for to the office for a stub. Beautiful there you go, JD. mate. Mate, sensational brother. We're, mate, we've got a cracking interview with the Savi that we're very looking forward to, which will probably be out tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully to drop that one tomorrow. Another fund manager interview coming right up. Who has uh, achieved, what, 200% in a fund that since inception two years ago or something, was it? Yeah, three so, and a half years ago, and that's not and that's not per annum. So it's two hundred percent since inception, three and a half years ago. So pretty bloody impressive return. Yeah, we'll so get into it. You're going to get right into how he does it. Hopefully, it gives me some stock tips. He's Perfect, got an mate. A for sell, he should be able to. <laughs> right, boys. Thanks for the uh, thanks to all the partners as always. Terra Capital at the show at the Smec. top of the show. Smec Power and Technology. Anytime Exploration Services. JP Search and Kdrill. Kdrill. I so I saw some <laughs> caught up with a fella at the Bar Me joint today, and they had like a video request. They wanted to get possibly like a a pre-drilled hole, and get like a Kdrill drill rig and Rhino Sullivan just to start feeding the rods in by hand and like just to prove to the world that he drills with his bare hands let's make it happen mate just yeah probably gave away what the video will be probably shouldn't have done that anyway well i'll come up with something good stuff it's, mate it's all getting talked about cheers money miners hooderoo the information contained in this episode of money of mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives financial situation or needs of any particular person Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.